Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Havilah Podcast. I'm your host, Havilah Cunnington. I am thrilled that you're back with me today because we are in this really exciting series on our Created to Hear God journey. And we've been having conversations about being a feeler and being a hearer. Ben was our feeler before, which is my husband. He was the first week. We had Paula last week on being a hearer. And this week, I'm really excited about um, my guest. And again, I said this before, I wanted to get people that were in my everyday life, people that I knew weren't just like telling me what I wanted to hear or maybe propping it up in some way, but like, no, I actually live with these people. I love them. They do life with me. And when it comes to being a seer, my friend Debbie Mays was somebody that I was really hoping would be on this podcast because she is a brilliant woman. She is a mom of four kids. Uh, she's happily married. Uh, they own a business as well as she is a dreamer, visionary. We're going to get into all of that. So first of all, I just want to welcome my guest today, Debbie. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. I'm excited too. Now, Debbie, you and I have been friends, I want to say for almost five years. I don't know. Uh-huh. How- yeah, five yeah. years. Yeah. And you are, you know, once I found out you had four kids as well, there's like team four, which is yeah. all just have this grace. Like, I know you're not going to judge me on my, my parenting and what I'm feeding my kids and what my car looks like. Like team four is a, is a, a whole different world out there. So I yeah. first love that about you, but as I've really, we've grown in our friendship, there's a lot to you as a person, like you have multiple lives. So obviously <laughs> there's an accent, you're going to hear an accent. So maybe tell everybody where you came from, migrated from, and kind of your journey into getting to this place. Yeah. So I grew up in England with Irish parents. So my accent has always kind of confused people, even when I was a child. It's funny because in school, my friends at school used to think my mom was American because she had an Irish accent. So (laughs) I've always been very confusing to people, but I've lived in America for almost 20 years now. So it's definitely faded a lot. My family makes fun of me every time I talk to them that I sound so American, Um, but I moved to America when I was 17 to attend a Bible school called Master's Commission. And that's where I met my husband. So did that and then got married literally right after school ended and never left America after that. (laughs) We grew on you. And you did ministry, planted church and ended up coming to Reading, did the school of ministry here. But you've really had a heart for God for, I mean, really the majority of your life. And Mm -hmm. let me ask you, first of all, did you, were you familiar with the prophetic growing up? Is this something that you understood that God was speaking to you or was that something you weren't really aware of? Yeah, I am a pastor's kid. So my dad was actually the prophetic pastor at my church in England growing up. And so I have never not known about listening to God. It's just been something that's been in my life. I became a Christian when I was five years old, standing on a piano inside of my church and saying, I want Jesus. (laughs) And so um, I, I kind of joked for a long time, especially throughout my later teen years that, you know, my, my, 
my problem wasn't with God or the Holy Spirit. I had, it was with the humans. I had a hard time really good. communicating and, and connecting with humans because I, I just, a lot of my memories from my childhood are just being in my room and painting and journaling and talking to God. I remember when I was a kid, I, every single New Year's, I remember laying in my bed and praying like, please, can I have a boyfriend by next year? Like, <laughs> I submitted literally everything to him as a child. <laughs> and did you believe that he was speaking to you back then? Or did you just, just, was it a one-way conversation? Um, I think in my younger years, it was more one way. I think that obviously growing up and seeing my dad do prophetic ministry, it was more of a prophetic ministry is something that you do from the stage. You give words, you have impressions for people, but that was definitely more of like a pastoral role. Someone in authority would do that. And so it wasn't until my teenage later years that I actually started to recognize God speaking to me. Like when I learned the concept of having a quiet time at 16 years old, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can have this time every day. And I talk to God and he talks to me. And, and that kind of opened up my world to having it be more a conversational approach rather than just, you know, I'm throwing, shooting my prayers out there every night. <laughs> it's so true. So when you started hearing God, um, was it a slow progressive thing or did you start to really go, okay, this is God. And how did you know? Cause I think a lot of people ask that. How do you know that it's God? Yeah. I think for me, when it really took off was when I was in ministry school, I went through a phase where God was like, I want to show you things. Like he just began even through other people in my life began to speak to me about showing me more of him. And I just was like, okay, I am, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to listen to everything that I feel like I get from the Lord and I'm going to go with it. And if I'm wrong, that's okay. Like God wasn't telling me to do crazy things or, you know, <laughs> it wasn't negative things. So I'm like, these are all positive things that I'm, I'm thinking and feeling from the Lord. So I'm just going to go for it follow him and just see what happens and see where and, and see if this is really me. Cause if it's me and it's a good thing, it's not going to be bad, you know? <laughs> so I had this season of life where he, I would just felt like I would get these and what I would have called them back then was impressions from the Lord of like, um, say this to that person or do this, you know? And, uh, there was one time when I was in ministry school, we didn't have cell phones back then. Uh, we are not of the younger generation. <laughs> and, um, so I, my roommate had left the church for the night and I was by myself in this huge campus. I had no idea how to get a hold of everyone. The offices were locked and I'm just wandering around. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? And as I, I, I was like literally praying about it and I felt like the Lord was like, turn right. I'm like, okay. So I would turn right down a hallway and walk and then I'd hear, I'd feel like, okay, turn left and I'd go. And then all of a sudden I turn down one hallway after doing this for a few minutes and I see my roommate walk across the end of the hallway so far away. I see her walking and I'm like, Sarah. I scream her name and she runs back. She's like, I couldn't, I came back because I didn't know where you were. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I was just led to find my roommate. So I wasn't stuck at church all night. And that was when it really took off for me. Like the Lord is so intimate and loves us so much that he cares about every detail of our lives. And he wants to lead us in all of every single thing that we're doing. 
It's amazing. That is an amazing story and how like relevant. I, I love that. We, I grew up where we would lose something and my dad would get a word of knowledge where it was. And yeah. when you're, when you grow up in an environment where that's just normal, you forget, like we prayed for parking spots. We prayed for if we lost something. So I love that idea of like God showing your roommate and knowing like, it's like, oh my gosh, there, I got to find her. And just those little mm -hmm. things that really add up to a relational connection. So, yes. um, I'm curious, you know, we're talking about seers today. Seers are those that God speaks to through uh, pictures, dreams, images. Uh, you have a picture in your mind's eye and then you have faith for it. And mm -hmm. I don't, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I want to talk about the bus for a minute because <laughs> some people are going to hear your name and know, wait a minute, I feel like she's somebody I know or I've heard about. And the way I met you was that you had a dream uh, as you were venturing out here, migrating towards California, you had this dream of this bus. And I remember asking your husband, wow, what, what about this bus that you guys renovated? And he goes, oh, that was Debbie's dream. So I want to know more about that and like, let our listeners know more because you have a huge following online and I, I would love to know how that started. Yeah, it was a crazy journey. Um, we had basically our life uh, had blown up, essentially. We had lost everything. We didn't know what we were going to do next. And all of it, uh, somebody had actually sent me a video of a young couple that had renovated a bus and was like, look how cool these people are. And I watched the video. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, we could do that. That is what we could do. And um <laughs> I know. And so it was, they literally converted a school bus into kind of like an RV, an apartment on wheels, essentially. And when I showed it to Gabriel, he's like, yeah, that's a single couple by themselves <laughs> with their dog. Like, that's very different. But I just got it inside of me. I was like, this is what I want to do. I know we can do it. I think we should. And so we presented it to the kids and Gabriel's like, hey, we could fly to California. We could have a house with a pool. And I'm like, or we could live on a bus. And they were like, the bus. <laughs> and so that process was such a fun process because I, I got such a clear idea for what I wanted to do with it. Like the interior, exactly how I wanted it to look. And I find that that's kind of how I work. I get the I would have, what's so cool is I would have always called them impressions, right? Of what things should be. And it, honestly, it even happens with my house. Like I'll be like, I want it to look this exact way. And then uh -huh. I go out and find the things that match what I've seen in my mind. And what's so interesting about all of this, Avila, is that I would have always said, yeah, I, I get these impressions from God. You know, that's kind of, and I initially thought that I was more knower, but as I listened to you talking about the seers, I started to realize like, oh, these impressions are actually mental images. I'm actually, and uh, when I would pray for people, I started to think about when I pray for people, my language is, I see da da da. I see, you know, a seed being put in the ground and the Lord is watering it. And I started to recognize like, oh my gosh, like I'm totally a seer. Like this is how, because I would, I have a friend who is very prophetic and they literally in their mind, it's like a TV screen and these things show up on a TV screen. And I'm like, oh no, that's not me. I don't, things don't show up on a TV sc screen in my head. But what I'm realizing is, no, I actually do. I get mental pictures of these things. They pop into my mind and I just go like, it's like, okay, I'm just going to voice this thing and, and kind of articulate what I'm seeing in my mind.
it's amazing because you also have this faith for it, which I think is right alongside of that seer, which is, no, we can do this. Like right when you said, I saw this bus and I went to Gabriel and said, I, we can do this. It's like filled with faith. It's filled with this like impossibility where most people would say, no, I, I don't think so. You have this kind of, we can do this. And it's interesting when you talk about, because it is very true, you see it and then you begin to build it. Uh, but one of the thing about the seer that's unique, after doing a test of 150,000 people, the least amount of prophetic personalities is a seer. And it's wow. very rare. And it actually is kind of a lonely journey because a seer gets a vision and then spends their life trying to help them get everybody else on board with what they see. <laughs> and I see that in your, have you, have you witnessed that in your own life where you're like, oh my gosh, that, on board. <laughs> you just articulated my entire journey. <laughs> yeah. I actually, for a, for years, I really struggled in even honestly, it was a, a, a thing with my relationship with the Lord because I would like go into visit all these churches and go and do all these things. And I would get these like, oh my goodness, I could, if they just would tweak this one thing or, oh, if they would change that out. And I would see in my mind, like things would be so much better at this church if they would just move that coffee shop over there. And I just would get all these mental pictures and I would be like, Lord, I'm so judgmental. Like, forgive <laughs> me. Like what's inside of me that makes me like this. And I thought that it was actually a flaw. Like it was this, I'm this judgmental person. And I'm like, I can't just accept things for how they are because I see them differently. And I went on this journey for years of just feeling bad about essentially the gift. I didn't know it was a gift at the time, but I thought that it was this flaw inside of me that I was just really judgmental and nothing was ever good enough for me. And it wasn't until we moved to Reading and I, we started going to Bethel and, and hearing more about the prophetic and more about how God speaks to you that I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually a gift that God has given me to see into things, to see how things could be improved or things could get better or what God wants to do in a room. And the the flip side of that for me has been this journey of seeing these things and then waiting for them to come to pass. Yeah. Which I love that you took us here because there's a flip side to everything. It's like the feeler who feels emotionally erect, right? Like, just like, I can't get it together. <laughs> or it's the knower that, that feels distant from God. Like, when am I ever going to have this emotional experience? But I love how you said that, that, that the, that flip side of the seer is being critical, seeing what could is possible and then going, wait, it's actually not criticism. I could see as criticism, but it's really a vision to see it changed. Yeah. And I love that you had the maturity to begin to kind of reframe that because that's, that is the right frame. You know, you're not overly emotional as a feeler. You have emotions that you get to steward with God and that it's actually a gift for the room to know what God is feeling or yeah. what God is saying, or, or it's a gift to the room to know what to do or have that intuitive sense. So I love that. So I'm curious. Do you, obviously you, you talked about praying for people and getting pictures, uh, things in your life, having a vision. Um, one of the things that is a vulnerability to a seer is growing weary and waiting because you want to get it done. Do you find that to be the case in your life? Do you get weary of waiting and trying to make sure it happens? Yeah, definitely. It has been, especially these last few years, I, I, the Lord has given me super clear visions for my life and things that I see myself doing. And it has definitely been a journey of 
feeling like these things, like when are they ever going to happen? And then I kind of go through this loop of like, is it ever going to happen? Was I even seeing correctly? And um, yeah, I would say that's one of the most challenging parts of being a seer for me is the the patience and waiting because the main thing that I do is like waiting for that opportunity to come. You know, you never want to be someone that's like, hello, everyone, I see this, like (laughs) what's happening? So I just wait for the opportunities where the Lord opens that up to where I can share it. And so kind of sitting on a lot of the the visions that I have or what God's showing me, especially when it's for other people. So I have started, I have a whole notes tab in my phone. It's like anytime I get shown anything, I just type it in there, type out exactly what I'm seeing. And I just, I'm just waiting, you know, for the moment. There's even been times where I see myself giving prophetic words to people. And so I'll write down that word and it's like, I just, someday I know the Lord's going to be like, Hey, don't forget this, you know, remember this time, or he'll remind me of those words and just bring it back to my memory. I just, so just being in that place of trust with him, knowing like, okay, I'm just, I'm waiting on you. I definitely have my, you know, times when I'm like, is this even, am I even seeing this right? Or is this ever going to happen? But I just kind of, now I know, I just kind of go through those cycles and I'm like, I know I'll come back around. I know everything's going to be fine. Um, but it's definitely been a journey to, to trust and believe not only that I'm being shown what God is God's heart is and what he wants to do, but also that it is something that he wants to happen to. Yeah. Like the faith along with it. Do you, um, do you dream at all? Are you a dreamer? I actually, I'm not a big dreamer. That's another reason that I wasn't sure that I was a seer because I, I'm not a big dreamer at nighttime. If I do have dreams, they're usually like very impactful um, for me, but I have found one of the things that's been helpful just in my journey with the Lord the last few years has been like at nighttime when I'm laying down, like a lot of times that's what I'll use to like envision, um, different things. Like one of the things I do is if I've had some hard conversations, I was, I was in this really difficult conversation a few months ago and I kind of walked away and I was a bit shaken and I saw in my mind me just covered in like black slime. And I was like, oh my, like that is basically like what is happening. And I saw myself, this is kind of how it works for me. It's like, I see myself in my mind doing things and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do it. And so as, as vulnerable as it feels like, I don't normally tell people (laughs) these things out loud, but in my mind, I I saw myself like wiping myself, like wiping the slime off of me. So I, in that moment, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to like prophetically wipe myself clean of all of this spiritual stuff that I feel like was just thrown at me. So that kind of started something for me where at night when I lay down, either if I've had hard conversations or things are happening, I kind of just envision myself as I'm laying there, like either, like I see if I've had lots of interactions, like them as strings that like have tied me to those people. And I envision myself just going through and like cutting all those strings. And like, it's like giving everyone else back their own stuff and, and I'm keeping myself and and, and it's a way of me just having boundaries. Um, but doing those kind of things and just going with them has been, the main thing for me right just like not being like oh you're so silly debbie like why why do you think there's black slime on you it's like no actually i feel like the lord is showing me this right now so i'm just gonna go with it man that is so vivid the strings attached and cutting that like 
oh, I can just see it. Like, again, that's part of your gift is that just the, the imagery. Um, and I, I could see that. And, and last week we talked to Paula about a hearer and she was saying that when she wakes up in the morning and right before she gets all the way awake, God speaks things. So I think that's a really cool thing when you're, t- you're talking about laying down at night and going through the imagery with God. Um, and there's a book, I think it's called Practicing the Presence of God, but he talks about supernatural daydreaming. And it's really a thing like God gave us the ability to envision. And we, you know, obviously the world calls it visualization and all the things. But for mm-hmm. me personally, I actually linger in the knower seer realm. I'm actually land in the seer. And for me, I tend to have to like, I'll do this if I'm anxious about something or whatever, I will lay down or I will sit and close my eyes and I will envision myself going through the process, getting up on the platform, grabbing the mic, who am I, who's God going to touch and letting the Holy Spirit kind of take that daydream with me of it, of it ending well and not catastrophizing, but actually dream and letting the Holy Spirit take me into the promise of what could be. And Mm -hmm. then also the dreaming of like, if I'm battling with something and I agree with you, what is the dream in my heart five or 10 years from now? What do I want it to look like and feel like? But it's not just like a weird, just, I'm just going to do this on my own. It's kind of like Holy Spirit lead Mm -hmm. me into the picture that you have for me. And, and visualizing it is huge. It's, it's massive. Um, so I, I just love that. I have not done the evening thing yet. And I'm, I'm actually hoping those of you that are listening will kind of steal that from Debbie, because I think, or, or borrow it, uh, to lay down (laughs) at night and let the vision of what's happening internally, what's the picture. Um, I, I just, I just love that. I think that's brilliant. So I'm curious, are there dreams right now that you are obviously that you're, you're wrestling with, you're fighting for and all those things. How, um, what are the things that you're doing to almost, uh, buy time? You know, I know you have big dreams. And so for a dreamer or a seer, a lot of times it's the day to day. That's really hard. It's hard for you because you see it so vividly. And then people that are not participating, it's like, come on, we're building this. So what are things that you do to give yourself grace for the vision? Um, I think like you said, the visualization of things really helps me. So I have this quiet time practice that I tend to do in, in my morning routine and I have always the kind of envisioned when Jesus, like they say, Jesus comes into your heart, all of that. So for me, that has become like the visualization of the internal world of my heart. I kind of think about it as though it's like kind of the Garden of Eden set up inside of me. And so I, for a long time, I would even envision myself like getting in an elevator and going down into my heart. Now that I've done it so long, I don't tend to do that. But inside of that, like there's basically a whole world inside <laughs> that I think about. I love it. I love there's it. there's times like when I go, so there's, it's, it sounds so funny trying to explain it out loud, you know, those things that you're, you're, you do, but I think that it will help people. So I'll, I'll be vulnerable and share kind of Thank what you. that yes. is for me. Um, so there's like a library where there's like this big desk where Jesus will sit at and there's shelves. And so sometimes there'll be, there's like cardboard boxes where I'll pull them off the shelf and it'll have like things that I'm dealing with right now or painful circumstances. And there's certain times where I feel like the Lord will bring it up and I'll be like, like, 
I'm not ready to deal with that right now. And he's like, it's okay. We'll just close that one back up. You can put it on the shelf. And then there's other times where I see these boxes and it's like, okay, I'm ready to deal with this thing. I'm ready to talk it out with you. And I see myself unpacking these painful things or the the hard parts. Um, and so I use that as my morning practice, just with worship music, just in different areas. I mean, there's there's been times when I've been in worship and I immediately see myself like dancing in that place or there's like there's a vineyard and there's you know times when I'll just walk along the beach side and just talk to to the Lord about something that's difficult and so I've kind of almost built this inner world that I that I go to when I'm struggling and so the way that I envision the visions that I have for my life and where I'm going is like they exist already somewhere. Like God is outside of time and space. Our dreams and our visions are already happening somewhere at some point. And I just am am waiting for that opportunity because I don't, it's, you want those things to happen. But then again, it's like, I don't want things to be outside of God's time. I don't want to push something to happen because maybe I'm, maybe I think that I'm ready. Maybe I think that I have what it takes, but maybe I need something else. And so I kind of envisioned in my mind, like those dreams and those visions being those like boxes on the shelf of things that I know are going to happen. And I'm just waiting for him to bring them out at the right time. Wow. Wow. That's so profound because what you're saying is, as I, I get close to, I get close to God, I get close to him. And I go into a deeper place with him and I allow him to minister to my heart and prepare me really for the things that are ahead of me, but also to resolve some of the things that might be weights for the future and where you're going. And I just love that. I love the elevator. I mean, I just see it all. The elevator going down to heart and the beautiful library that's cozy and quiet and just, and, you know, just intimate. And I love that the, the powerfulness of it, where he goes, are we going to look at this? And you go, not yet. And just, he's interacting with you and he's just connecting. And I just love the intimacy and I, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the intimacy that you have created with God, even as a seer, which means you are a dreamer and you've been, it's kind of outside of everyday life, but you, you've really been able to cultivate an intimacy as well. I'm curious for those that are just starting to be a seer, what kind of encouragement would you give them? And what are ways that they can steward being a seer? Yeah, I think the main thing when you're starting out is to just have that trust that what you're seeing is from the Lord. I think that, you know, like you said, the with the imaginations, I was always kind of a daydreamy kid. And so it makes sense. Like I, and I tend to be an overthinker. That's one of the, <laughs> the things I think that comes along with it. And so I do think just trusting like, oh, these images that I'm getting or these impressions that I'm getting from the Lord, they're actually from him and they're not just me imagining. Um, and I, and the way that I do that is, is thinking about like, is this coming from love or fear? Like anytime that I'm having imaginations that are fear-based, um, there was one time when I was laying in bed at night and I started to see like demonic things like coming towards my house. And I can tend to like overthink, did I lock the door? Is my car locked? Da, da, da. Like I start down that path. And so I decided, I was like, you know what, then I'm imagining these negative things. I'm going to imagine what the Lord can do. And so I literally imagined these giant angels around my house, protecting it. And then I fell asleep like within minutes, it just took away that fear. And so really believing like if this thing is rooted in love, if it's a kind word for someone, if it's an encouragement, 
something as simple as telling people, you know, have a great day or how was your day? Those kind of things. I always think the the Lord is leading me in everything that I'm doing. And so trusting that those things that you're imagining are actually from him and are not just your own imagination is really the main first step. I love that. It's taking yourself seriously. It's it's allowing yourself to be worthy of that. But yeah. I also love, you said something, which I thought I, I want to go back to because you said it so well, which is you started to write down the pictures and decided that you would share those pictures when it was time. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, everyone who's listening needs to catch that because to me, that is stewardship. Stewardship is not being taking a risk all the time. It's about stewarding it, writing it down, holding it. And I'll tell you what, I have, I remember somebody sent me a dream that they had and it was so impactful. It's in my notes and it's literally, my life is, is almost at that place, like our home and the space that we're in, but, but they didn't send it right away. They waited like a couple months. And then they said, I felt like I'm led to send it to you now. I got this a couple months ago and it was all the perfect timing. We were just about to buy the home we're in and I had this dream and it was just, so not just sharing what we get, but the timing of the Holy Spirit is critical as well to know now it's time for me to share this. And I love that you log it in, you have it there. Um, And I also think that images can be a really great way to give a word to somebody because the image means something to them, but you don't have to define what the image means. It's a very, I think it's a personal way. And so for me, if they had said, you're going to do this, 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 and this, I might've felt like maybe, but the picture allowed space for me to dream with God as well in the vision that they gave me. So I just thought that was brilliant. And um, to take it, take it seriously, that the success was writing it down. It wasn't always sharing it. And then mm-hmm. waiting on that, I think it's just brilliant. Um, so I'm curious, Debbie, as we close today, um, what do you think about those that have not had their vision come to pass? And they're like, was it God? Was it not? I'm scared to dream with God because I have a hope deferred. How did you deal with disappointment? And then how do you know how to risk again? Yeah, I think that having the perspective of like, my my life i have so much more time left you know i'm only almost 40 years old um and i would say even for people that are older than that you know you never know what god can do in just one year you know he can completely radically transform your life in a few months and so just having the perspective of it nothing has to be rushed Everything can, you know, happen so quickly. Once he's on it, it can come to pass so quickly. So believing and trusting in his perfect time frame that, you know, you see things happening a certain way. I mean, we've had, you know, visions. I had visions of building a home for a long time. That was a dream that I held in my heart and really wanted it to come to pass. And then we ended up buying a house. But now the house that I have, I'm like, I'm renovating it to look exactly the way I want it to look. And and these things are coming together. It might might not be exactly the vision that I had in my mind, but what's amazing about it is the feeling that surrounds it is exactly what I imagined rather than it, you know, I had, I had had this dream of having a super modern house that was, you know, clean lines and everything. And we ended up buying this cabin looking house and I'm like, okay, like this doesn't really feel like what I was thought we were going for. 
But now, if, if, if you'd have told me you're going to buy a cabin, I'd be like, no, that's not the vision. <laughs> but now that I'm doing it and now that I'm in it, I'm like, I would never trade the house that we have. I absolutely love it. And I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to renovate it so that it will reflect my style. But really the feeling of peacefulness is, is what I was looking for. It wasn't so much about the exact vision. And so not being so tied to it needing to be exactly as I've envisioned, but just the Lord is giving me these impressions. He's giving me these ideas. He's going to be the one to make them come to pass. I just need to be obedient. So when he tells me, Debbie, tell this person that now's your time. Or when someone, you know, asks me a question, I have the opportunity. I obey that, but I just don't hold so tightly onto it has to look exactly the way I think, because the word tells us, you know, we know in part, we prophesy in part. So I'm doing my best to have a clear picture and to be obedient to that. But I also know if I'm trusting him and if I'm following him, it's going to come come to pass in a way that honestly is better than I could have imagined. You know, if I, if I tried to come up with everything, it's a mediocre compared to what he has for me. And so I would say just that, that trust piece coming back to in some really painful times in my life where I've just, you know, cried it out and wept and sobbed and, and really had to deal with some painful situations. I always end with, I still trust you, you know, even though I'm in these difficult circumstances, or even though life isn't where I thought it would be right now, always coming back to that piece of, I trust you. I trust that you're going to give me a new vision. I trust that you're going to lead me to the next thing. And I trust that this vision that you've given me is for some point in my future. I just don't know when, um, just always leaning back into that is so important. I, I love that. And it's so true. It, it sometimes feels like the house is burned down in front of you and you go, okay, I thought this was my dream house and it's burning in front of me, but it's almost like that gone with the wind where she goes, you know, we're going to rebuild. It's like the, the, the first, um, part of the, the two video movies, she yeah. just, she's all covered in dirt and, and it had burned down and she gets up and goes, we're going to build again. And of course it's not the quite the exact wording, but there's yeah. something about that where I do think God wants to know if we're attached to the picture or if we're attached to him. Yeah. And so when you said that, you know, God, you're good. Like I trust you. That I think is the part that says I see in part, I don't know, but I thought I'll never forget this moment. I have a friend in LA and she's a little bit older than I, we actually started babysitting her kids and now we're, we've been friends forever. But my sister and I have a twin sister. We came into her life when her husband was in residency. She had one kid, she's pregnant with another. She ended up having three kids, but, but her third son, um, she had said, God showed me I'm having twins. I am having twins. I know it. And she was telling people and we believed her. She, she measured bigger and we were shocked when it was just Matthew it was her one son. And so we kind of went on with it and we, you know, later on we got married and had kids and she was in my wedding and she was at my first birth and we used to laugh and she go, remember when God said I was going to have twins and I only had Matthew and we would laugh about it. And it was, I'm not kidding. It was probably like three years ago. We're having this conversation and she had this epiphany. Oh my gosh, you and Deborah twins came into my life that year. I did wow. have twins. I didn't give birth to twins, but I did have twins. And it was like, I don't know why we missed the whole thing, but it was <laughs> like this revelation of he didn't lie. He wasn't saying it was yeah. different than we thought, 
It, we, she, but she had twins and we've been in her life. She's been at both our weddings. She's been at both of our births. It's just been who are, we've been her twins. Yeah. But I do think it's that reality of like, if she had gotten caught and you said, I saw it, she mm-hmm. would have missed that moment rather than, I don't know. I don't know why I saw that. I'll leave it alone. And then later on realized he did do what he said he would do. So I think that anyone li- is listening today, if you thought it was going to be something and it feels dead, it doesn't mean it's dead. It doesn't mean it's gone. And like you said it so well, God can do things so quickly. We have no idea. In one year, I was, I mean, literally in five years, I went from living at my home, never having a, living with my parents, never owning a car, never owning a house, like having a very small job to literally married five kids, you know, writing my first book, buying my first house. I mean, within five years, it was like a dramatic flip. And I think that's what we we miss. We think, well, God, you can't really. And he goes, I can just give me some time. <laughs> give me some time. Yeah. But I, I love your stewardship, Debbie, and your heart. And I know that you obviously you have a world outside of this podcast. So how can people find you? And what are you excited about? And maybe just share a little bit about what you want people to know about you and and how to connect. Yeah. Um, so people can find me mostly over on Instagram. My account is at the maze team. It's T H E M A Y E S T E A M. That was the name of our family account and all of the school bus travels were on there. But now I post mostly just about people simplifying their life. And so the areas that I focus on is simplifying your home, simplifying your health and simplifying your finances. So I'm super passionate about helping people make money online, about helping Christians be wealthy and be able to be generous with their life. I think that um, I've been in the tech space for a long time. So my husband and I also own a business that builds websites for people. So I've just spent years years being with people who are struggling with their branding and their websites and how do I do this? Um, And so I'm really passionate about helping people get their branding together, start making money online so that they can provide for their families and not have to spend so much time stressing over the tech side of things. So I love helping people with that. Oh, and you are the best. And I just love it. And you are, um, like you said, simple. You just are able to uncomplicate things and you are brilliant. You guys will love it. She has a gorgeous family and Debbie is brilliant. So anything that she puts out, anything you catch from her, she has lived it out. And uh, she's one of my smartest friends for sure. And one of my kindest. I do love (laughs) you a lot. Um, Debbie, thanks for being on the podcast today. And I know you'll be back here very soon because you're one of my favorites, but thank you for being a seer. Thank you for stewarding your seeing your seeing gift. Thank you for sharing the visions and even the ones that didn't come to pass. Thank you for not giving up. And uh, thanks for giving us an inside glimpse into what it's like to be a seer today. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Of course. All right, you guys, that is today's episode on being a seer. Next week, we're going to talk about being a knower. So if you're a knower, you're going to want to pop in. And if you enjoyed this episode, go back and listen to the hearer and the feeler and see if it resonates with you. Uh, I hope that you guys have loved this podcast. Most importantly, my new book, Created to Your God, is out. It's on bookshelves everywhere, Barnes and Noble. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible, where I read the book so you can find it there. And if nothing else, have a fantastic day and we'll see you next time.